0: And here we are. I think we are episode 27. I'm going 27. I'm pretty sure it's 27. I will not argue on that point. We're making our way through the year with the questions podcast. Good times. Pastor Mark, I know for certain now. That you love me, you really, really love me because oh, you gave me you gave me leftover ribeye steak for lunch today. That wasn't a bad steak. That was, was good. It? it was good. Even it, leftover, it, was it good. satiated
1: my desire for for steak. Groovy. Yeah. You know, the other night we were celebrating my wife's birthday. Yes, and she let goes, the meat steak. Get some steaks, and so let I, steak. I went to not Costco. Cake. And there's a reason why I'm not allowed to go shopping by myself. I the meat know. aisle. That's so, the reason. Well, I bought steaks, but evidently these were steak and a
0: halves. So I. Cook I saw these steaks at Costco because I was there the other day, too. And I was like, oh, my gosh, look at those ribeyes, 55 bucks for a big old platter of ribeyes.
1: Right. Well, so I was like, celebrate good times. Oh, come on. And so uh, I was trusted with the shopping. Trusting. And um, I barbecued those steaks to perfection, I might add, in all humbleness. But
0: they were good. And then you, you tempted the entire staff pastors group on our, uh, on our little Instagram or on our feed. What is it? Messages. And you yeah. sent us a picture.
1: Well, the steak took up almost an entire dinner plate. The,
0: the the picture that you sent, I could almost hear the sizzle through the picture. The crackle. Oh, it's so good. Oh, so good. Food And I found my, you know food. what I was doing right when you sent that picture? Starving? No, I was making my kids like frozen pizza and I was pulling the pizza out of the oven. I was looking at the pizza and I was looking at that picture and I was thinking, man, I like his, his dinner way better than my dinner. She
1: totally just abandoned them? Or I was just going
0: to drop the pizza and say, here, kids, fend for yourselves. I'm out.
1: I'm out. I'm out. I got a pastor meeting over there. Yeah, I got uh, a pastor yeah.
0: meeting. I got to go say happy birthday to Missy. Yeah, exactly. So, wow. <laughs> where's,
1: where's the birthday card? I got to find it. Quick, Wow, quick. man. Yeah. So, yeah, we had a good time. Family's over there. And looked got good. Got old family. And looked good. Having some steaks, man. It's been a good week. Life is good. Yeah. Hey, you know what we got coming up tomorrow night?
0: Tomorrow night is a worship night. Yeah. And tonight is a newcomer's meetup.
1: I mean, we can talk about it, but this probably won't be, should we say, on air or on cast? Who knows? We're not live. You never know. So we're not live. I mean, we're live, but semi-live. You and I are alive. So alive. So alive. Um, But yeah, the worship night's going to be cool. I think so. I love it when people, it's a very cleansing thing, a very therapeutic thing to just stop and take time out of your day to come and... Worship the Lord in song and in prayer and kinda of even with position, right? The positions of worship. One of them just spend you'll have an opportunity to come before your knees and, and just on your knees there and, and just um come I, know, I know the throne. Uh, Pastor
0: Anthony has been praying and and uh he's been getting ready for this. So oh, look yeah. forward to it.
1: And he's probably more Pentecostal than us. I mean he was casting demons out of stuff, electrical what? equipment and totally teasing but i'd love to see him cast a demon out of a toaster you know so hmm that remember the far side
0: i mean i remember the comic but i don't remember you're you're mentioning a specific so
1: gary larson had a little you know his little he used to say so much with just one page but um my favorite one was the um the birthmark yeah there was two of them there was the one the school for
0: advanced kids and Uh the door says push and the kid is Pulling, Pulling on, on it, it like crazy. Oh nice, yeah. And then the other one was the birthmark, the two deer and the one birthmark. Bummer deer of a birthmark, birthmark. How? It looks
1: like a target. Yeah. My favorite one was uh, uh, what Sunday service at the appliance healers. And so he's got this like televangelist guy and he's laying hands on all like a toasters and stuff like that. Ah. And anybody who's ever, you know, had any experience with small kitchen or large kitchen appliances realized that that would be a heck of a ministry. Mm. because they seem to always be breaking. They're made to break. Do you remember when you used to buy a a clothes washer and it would last like 30 years?
0: I'm not that old.
1: Well, okay.
0: Well, I've been married for 13 years, and I've had to buy two clothes washers during that period of time. Well,
1: back in the day, some of our more experienced... Once you have children... The clothes washer gets a lot more use. Yeah. Well, my mom used to buy like a Maytag and it lasts 30 years. Uh-huh. Like, wow. That's I've... why
0: that repairman was so lonely. lazy and lonely. Yeah, exactly. Speaking so, of loneliness, I have a news story on that very thing this, today.
1: I have got a news story too. Surprise story. Okay, well, news I'll story. go first.
0: Yeah. Researchers are working on a pill for loneliness as studies suggest the condition is worse than obesity. So it, now they want Is wanna... obesity bad? I don't know. Okay, I, I, all right. Yeah, I don't know. What's the pill for obesity? Actually, they took that off the market. It was basically meth. Um,
1: what You got to admit, man, you see these meth Fin-fin guys fin, on the right? street. Yeah, but I mean, they're in good shape. Did you ever try that pen thing? No no, 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 no. You know what? We had an admin. That was back
0: when I was plus size, and, and I tried it once. Yeah? I felt like my heart was going to flutter away into existence somewhere in Spice. So With we had Elon Musk. We were going to Mars together.
1: Really, we had an administrative person that was trying to lose a few pounds at my former probably did too. Employee, and she was taking it. And man, she got a lot of work she done. Got super she was productive. amazing. Oh yeah, totally. And I mean, she was a good person yeah, I took anyway. That but once yeah, I was up at three in the morning. I was like, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, Everything she was, was looking awesome. for work. Yeah, it was Woo. great. And then she, we. She was a little sad when they found out it was crack or whatever. So, yeah. well,
0: volunteers at the University of Chicago's Brain Dynamics Laboratory. How cool would it be cool to work at the Brain Dynamics Laboratory? Um, they they have found some sort of pill that they're working on to try and help people, you know, deal with their their uh, loneliness. It, I don't know. Maybe they could just come to Cross Connection Church and get connected.
1: Exactly. They don't have to be so ronery. No,
0: you need a connect group, not a pill. Exactly. Get into a connect group. Exactly. That's the cure for loneliness. And
1: then you'll struggle with obesity because we eat good those <laughs> connect groups, man. There you go. Wow. You'll need a pill for obesity, We could show the loneliness. Baptist a few things about a potluck.
0: Wait a minute. All of a sudden, we are Baptists in oh, the last wow. few years. I just woke up. Yeah, We've we are. We've been inherited. Wow. We've been absorbed, absorbed into the, but the tribe. We're
1: but we're well, still... We're kind of Calv Baptists. We're,
0: we're, we're independent Calvary Baptists something peoples. or other. peoples I don't know. Whoever will accept us, I'm game because... Yeah, we need. Yeah, Ooh. we need acceptance for yeah, sure. My yeah. self esteem is way too low. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You said you had a news story.
1: I do. This is awesome. What's your news story? So, um, I mean, in depth stuff. Mm. Uh, but You've two, been two things: at
0: National Enquirer,
1: no, no, no People no, Magazine, no, no, no. no, 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 no. I, that, that's real news, but it's just you know nobody accepts it. So anyway, there's like a banana problem. Okay, there's been a banana problem for a while. Yes, but it's now in South America. Yes. And like the banana crop capital of the world, this fungus. Yes. I, this,
0: I was reading about this back in 2003 and 2004. I remember this because... Oh, so you were on the cutting edge of the well, epidemic. No, because I really like bananas. They're great. Bananas with peanut butter. Oh, man. When you're a runner, and back then I was like a real runner. Well, uh-huh. I'm trying to become a runner again. I ran three yeah, miles today. Uh, but back then it was like uh, bananas with peanut butter was like my afternoon snack that, that kept me going. Oh, that's, that's what awesome. made Elvis King,
1: Yeah, and eating a butter banana sandwich. Yeah. I remember
0: reading an article back then about how oh, there was a problem that. with the the, ban- the bananas then in South Africa. In South Africa, right. we having a problem. A fungus. And they were concerned about the spread
1: of this. So now it's spread to South America, you say? Yeah. So there's, like, I guess there's a lot of different varieties of banana. Yeah. But the stereotypical banana that we get in the store, yes. the one that everybody loves the look of and this right. and that and this, that evidently is not as flavorful as other bananas. Not like the plantain, is it? Yeah. Well, there's different strains of oh, bananas. Oh, yeah. yeah. they got little stubby ones yeah. and really long, crazy ones yeah. and brown ones and all kinds so, of stuff um, So, anyway, I want to say is it, there's a name for it, like the Calhoun bananas. Mm. So, you know, they put all their bananas in one basket, so to speak, and now the fungus only affects that banana. Mm-hmm. And so now it's in South America in, like, they're thinking like an
0: economic Doom and gloom. Oh, yeah, here we go. Look, National Geographic. Two days ago, banana fungus arrives in Colombia. Yeah, that's not good. Threatening the fruit. Uh, Vice says an unstoppable fungus might make bananas go extinct. Hey, this is... uh, That's bad news. Supply and demand. It's time to invest in banana futures.
1: You know, I tried that. When the Twinkie was going down, I bought a bunch, but Mm. I'm, I'm afraid I might have eaten the stock, the investment, later, so... Boy, but they were going on eBay. Twinkies were going on eBay after that. The strawberry
0: banana smoothie may be uh, dangerous. Days are numbered. Days are numbered. Yeah, yeah. Well, speaking of banana futures, um, I don't know if you saw this, but today the stock market dropped 800 points. Not looking so good. We're We're having some issues.
1: Yeah, I'm not worried about it.
0: Main yield curve inverts as two-year yield tops 10-year rate triggering recession warning. This is on CNBC. Oh, man. Where your treasure is? Your heart will be also. Yes, make sure you're invested in the Bank of Eternal Securities. There you go.
1: And you know what? It just goes down so that I can go back up. Mm-hmm. I'm not getting out of the market. My you massive know, you know, portfolio and whatnot. As Warren
0: Buffett says, be greedy when everybody's fearful and fearful when everybody's greedy.
1: There's some wisdom in that.
0: Although greed is not something we highly value at Cross Connection. Well, that's not even on our list. No. So don't be greedy. Greed and gluttony. But we Try I to think, stay away from those I think, ones. Those are know. vices that we mm-mm. avoid. Yes.
1: So, yeah, that's a bummer about the banana thing. That could be a bad thing. Mm.
0: Yeah, I'm not too happy about that. Although I haven't been eating bananas for a while. I I think I probably need to, though. They're very rich in potassium, and they're great for, I get leg cramps. Oh, terrible. And the potassium in bananas helps. That's why when I was running all those years ago, lots of bananas. You know, frozen banana? Uh Uh-huh. Thrown in a um, little, uh, one of those little magic bullets. Right, I used to cut up my bananas in quarters. Yep. Put them into a bag, freeze them, and then I would take quarters and throw them in the
1: Magic Bullet with a little yeah. bit of milk at the end of the day. You got yourself a smoothie. I didn't
0: have a Magic Bullet. I had a Ninja. Ooh. A Ninja blender. Wow. It came from Costco.
1: It looks just like a Magic Bullet. It's
0: got blades going all the way up this thing. It looks like, ooh, dangerous.
1: Looks like a nin- if a Ninja was a blender.
0: It can't turn on unless the, the, the safety latch is down.
1: Yeah, you can disconnect those. Ooh, I don't think I'd want to. I'd be afraid. I got a coffee grinder at home. I'm getting ready to disconnect the safety on. Why? It doesn't always work. Oh, that it gets
0: gummed up with coffee grounds. Right? I don't know. I yeah.
1: mean, I'm cheap. I don't want to buy another one.
0: Yeah, because they're only like $7.95 on Amazon.com. Are they really? I have no idea. Can you Let's get a check. Call, call Let's anyone? check. Amazon.com. I don't know. Coffee grinder. They're a conical grinder. Is that what it is? O F E E grinder. There we go.
1: I bet they're like 30 bucks for a good
0: one. Hmm. Hmm. That's a top seller right there.
1: Oh, yeah? How many mm. stars?
0: Here's one for twenty three. Has sixty two hundred reviews, and it's at four point two stars.
1: That worries me because we're five star.
0: Us? Yeah. That's because we shamed anybody into giving us less than a five star rating.
1: Well, they need to keep doing it. Yeah, yeah. So, absolutely. I mean, and the, I mean daily. We're adding daily, adding mis- listeners. At to least the at least
0: one, like half of a listener a week.
1: But it's the best half, right? Yeah, the best yeah. half. So, uh, the, tonight we got the, uh, that's right, we got the we, newcomers tonight. Yep, yep. My wife is making her famous ginger snaps. I've
0: heard about these. I'm going to break the the meat diet
1: for a uh, ginger snap cookie. And Gloria Camp made her world-famous chocolate chip cookies.
0: Oh, they are good. I, she's brought me a big box of those for my family one time. Oh, really? I don't think they lasted, they didn't last 10 hours.
1: Wow. Well, yeah. She must love you more because I didn't get them. But anyway, I haven't tried them yet. And then I saw a big thing of lemon bars she made. So, you know. People Ooh, are going to come a, That show up. They're going to be happy. We're having a breaking news,
0: not-so-good thing happening right now. Oh, Lord, no. At least six Philadelphia police officers shot during an active firefight. This is happening as we speak right now. That's horrible. Lord, we pray you would bring an end to all this stuff. Wickedness abounds. Man, oh, man. That's it, no bueno.
1: There's no love, man. Mm-mm. It's not good. Absence of love. Our
0: our culture needs Jesus in
1: a big way. Yeah, Jesus love. That's what they need. Yes. So, speaking of which,
0: we have some questions about Jesus love because we've been talking a lot about love. We do, it's and all you about know, love.
1: You've been. It was funny because I'm like, if I was titling this sermon, I, I was. I mean, I went Tina Turner.
0: Yeah, but I I did multiple potential titles for this message. Yeah, and then I just went with the easy one.
1: I what's love got to do with it? Right, that's what I was thinking. But then all I broke you, into all the you song. Need is, Love.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So. Love, love, love.
1: Hmm. Ah, uh, yeah. So, what's love got to do with it? So, anyway. Um, Everything. Galatians.
0: Okay. Question one. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It'll be question one. Galatians 5 through 23. Quote, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self control. Against such there is no law. End quote that's cuz it's a bible verse people mm-hmm. okay all right there mm-hmm. we go how did you come to the conclusion that the fruit of the spirit i like the fact that they're using fruit yes singular not, not fruits the fruit of the spirit is love which produces joy peace long suffering kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness self control i like that interpretation because it makes it easier to understand but that's not how it reads miles
0: i would disagree that that's not how it reads um there are a number of different ways that commentators interpret Galatians 5, 22, and 23. And and quite honestly, if you went and read a dozen different commentaries, you'd probably find a lot of really good insights on it, and not all of them would be the same. Like, different people interpret it different ways. Um, so I I came to the interpretation that I did. Um, I, I would think I would base it on two, maybe three reasons. The first one is what you pointed out. The fruit, singular, of the yes. Spirit is um so just the the grammar of the the verse although i'll give it to you that if you if you actually read it in the greek then um there's some nuances to what's being said there but uh, it's all greek to us so but the fruit of the spirit singularly is love um some commentators see the fruit of the spirit as uh, as one whole thing and it's expressed in love joy peace kindness patience all of those sort of things and i think it's a perfectly good way to read it um but I have taught for a long time that the fruit of the Spirit, singular, is a metaphor that means that the the fruit means the evidence of the presence of the Spirit. Kind of like wisdom is justified by our children. Yeah, in a sense, the evidence evidence of God's Spirit resident in us is what? Well, just like we were looking at in the passage we were looking at this last weekend, uh, the Scripture says God is love. So the very nature of God is love. I don't know anywhere in the scriptures where it says God is joy or God is gentleness or God is self-control, though those are things that, you know, attributes that flow from God. So I don't think it's necessarily wrong to say that the fruit of the spirit is love. The evidence of God's spirit in us primarily is love. And that's exactly in line with what Jesus said in uh, John thirteen thirty-five that they will know that you're my followers, my disciples, by the love that you have one for another. So the the key mark in a Christian, that they are a follower of Jesus and that the Spirit of God resides in them is the chief quality of love, which is exactly what Paul teaches in I was his just passage going on... going there, clinging brass and all that. Right. I mean, when you think about the the gifts of the Spirit right. in uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, you know, and he gives this great discourse about the gifts of the Spirit in 1 Corinthians 12. And in the very last verse, he says, But and I show gre- you a more excellent uh, right. way. And the greatest of these... Is love. Yeah. yeah. So... Yeah. So I think that the, the chief evidence that the Spirit of God is residing in, a, in an individual is going to be love. So I do think it accords; the interpretation fits with what the verse says. But uh, I'll I'll grant that there are other interpretations on the passage. So
1: okay, uh, I'm going to go in, in the very practical. Like um, when you look at the evidences in people's lives, yeah, um, I can usually tell pretty quickly if they're in a loving relationship with Jesus Christ. Or if they're just doing this because it's a burden, or it's rules, or they're trying yeah. to earn their way into salvation—two totally different approaches, two totally different uh, fruit, as you, say, you know, fruits so to speak, um, in a person's life. Uh, two totally different attitudes. Right. And so, um, a loving relationship with Christ—things are done um, not out of burden, but out of relationship, mm-hmm. um, and they're just done with less stress and weirdness and fervor. And it's just unnatural when it's not in a loving relationship. And, uh, the results of those works that are done in love have a much different result than one done out of, out of obligation mm-hmm. um, or rules, right. Uh, or, um, you know, uh, trying to earn their way into salvation. So, well, you know, in
0: the last verse we looked at on Sunday, verse 19 says we love him for because he first, first loved, loved us. us so yeah. our, our love toward God and towards other people is in response to God's love. And, um, so I think that's a really important thing that we you brought up the obligation thing that we're not doing the things that we're doing, being loving towards other people or serving other people or serving within the church or giving to the church. We're not doing those things out of obligation. We're doing that in response to God's love. He loved us so much that it's like, man, this is the, in, in many ways, I feel like, man, this is the least I can do. So
1: yeah. Right. And that's a, that's a spirit you cultivate too. I think after a while, um, yeah, takes God, a little practice. God works it into us. Yeah. yeah it's something absolutely. that it's a journey.
0: Yeah, you know, I'm thinking of, I think it's Peter that in one of his letters, he says, add to your faith virtue and brotherly kindness yeah. and love and all these things. So, you know, we begin our walk with Jesus by trusting in Christ, but then we, by God's spirit, by his enabling power, we develop these virtues, these Christian virtues, which are essentially important. All of the nine things in Galatians five twenty two and 23... Those are the virtues of the Christian life. You know, joy, peace, long suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self control, and then of course love. So these are the virtues that should be developed, but they're ultimately God working in us according to his spirit and his love.
1: Ten four. I feel like we answered that. I'm good with it. Yeah, I'm cool. I'll move on with that. Sounds good. But that was a good question. It's a very good question. Yeah. Be able to expand on that. So number two, why is it often <laughs> why is it often so difficult to love others? Oh,
0: I got a great one for this.
1: Does it start with an S?
0: Well, uh, because both <laughs> they and we are sinful. Yes. I think that, yeah. Yeah. Sinners. People, yeah. I don't know. My first thought is people are unlovely and I am by nature unloving.
1: Right. So, yeah, it works yeah, for me. It's a perfect storm. <laughs> yeah. You know, People are horrible and me too. Yeah, yeah. for the most part. Yeah. It's, Even uh, those
0: ones that you think are, oh, I could never... like. I don't know. Maybe you didn't feel this way. When you, when you have a child, you're like, oh, I could never not love this little beautiful thing. And it's like, man, it doesn't take long for you to realize that it's a good thing that God creates a love, an innate love in us for our offspring, for our children, because they can do some things that are pretty
1: uh, <sighs> gnarly. Rodney Dangerfield quote. Uh-oh. This Ooh, could be. This could go so yeah, many different ways. Yeah, yeah. Now I know why tigers eat their young. Oh, no. <laughs> you, you, did Rodney, that. The prophet. you did that impersonation pretty well. Yeah, well, he was kind uh, of It funny. seems like you've done that one before. Oh, yeah. He was looking at his uh, nephew or something at the time. So uh, Yeah, well, sometimes they can, you know. Uh, our children can be quite irritating, and sometimes that's because they're doing something that we can see ourselves in, too.
0: Yeah, and these are the ones that you're going to love. So, yeah, if the person is not your offspring and not your child, yeah, like it's all, yeah. all the
1: more difficult. Absolutely. To love them. So it's ever... got to be.
0: I think it's got to be a work of grace and yeah. God.
1: Yeah. So have you ever been out in like a public place? Never. And they don't let me out much. And, no, I know. And and you're there, and like, some kid is acting out and just doing his deal, and the parents are not dealing with it. And like, you can look down the road and go, "I know where this is going. I see jail time, everything else." <laughs> and and I want to go like would you like me to spank your kid? Would you like me to discipline your kid? Cause I can do this. I'm really good at it. You know? And it's like, you ever want to spank somebody else's kid? A couple times. Yeah. Okay. All right. It's just, I'm you just know, saying. The
0: worst. And you, you have to feel bad for people in that situation because you've been in that situation. Not to say you didn't discipline the child. In oh, that oh, moment, oh yes, we but did. We've all been in that, dis- that situation before where you, uh, you have children in that situation. My, my, uh, my most embarrassing situation I I still remember to this day, and it's probably eight, nine years ago, one of my children that shall remain nameless, but this one was alive eight, nine years ago. So um, this one was having a massive fit, and we were in Target of all places. And uh, so my wife is checking out, and I I said, you know what, I'm just going to take this one to the car. And while I'm walking out to the car, this child is having an epic meltdown, you know, one of those great ones. And this lady tries to stop me. And she wants to make sure that this is my child and I'm not like kidnapping Stealing a child. It, yeah. And I said to her, ma'am, you can have this child if you want. <laughs> like, Do you really think <laughs> yeah. I want to be dealing yeah, with this right exactly. now? exactly. Yeah. 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 This no, is my child. I'm totally embarrassed at the You want to take the child for a spin? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. Um, I remember being in a store. Yes. And we did the one, two, three thing. I'm yes. Like, oh, don't. yeah. Everybody does it. Yeah. But you know what? I've noticed some people are, like, getting to seven now. Okay. Well, so we did yeah. the one, two, three thing, and we did not have to do this often. Yeah. Like, I,
0: most of my time now at this point, if I get to two, my kids are starting to look afraid.
1: Yeah. So, you know, it, but you set a parameter. They mm-hmm. know it's coming. So, mm-hmm. if they get past two, they earned it. They yeah. know. Yeah. Right? And, you know, I would sometimes, you know, and then sometimes they're doing something and I just start counting and they're like, oh, 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 that I'm not supposed to do that. They knew they weren't supposed to. Mm. So we're in the. You
0: get to a point where you don't even need to vocalize numbers. You just kind of look and go.
1: Yeah. The death stare. Yeah. So. My eyes are counting. Yes. One (laughs) one wink, two wink. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm Because, you know, so we're in the store in this, this, you know, you get to the. The checkout things. Yes, and they yes. have all kinds of things that kids want there. Oh, yeah. yeah that's right on at, purpose. Right at kid level. Yeah, right at kid level. Yeah. And Can this I have kid, this? Can the I have kid this? is not asking for anything. He's just ripping stuff off the shelf. Uh uh-huh. Being just a real. Brat. One of your own children. No, 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 no. Not my kids. Oh, no, 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 no. Okay. No. All right. Um, my kids would see another kid having a meltdown somewhere. They go, "Look, Daddy." They go, they're looking at me like, "Are you <laughs> going to go spank that kid, Dad?" <laughs> that kid. Oh, it's coming. They're, oh my they're probably, goodness! They're thinking, "Oh, they're probably going to go out and kill that kid in the parking lot after it's done." You know. So anyway, um, how much trouble in this PC culture are we going to get into? Like, with this you lot? know what? Roll with it. I'll defend right, it every day. Go it. I got yeah. you know what? I got four kids that made to the other side they of the did, yeah. deal. So there you they, go. they they told me they're fine with it. So anyway, um, one. And she's like, hey, Johnny, now let's not do that. One, two, three, four, five. She goes, don't make me get to ten. Seven and a half? Yeah, don't get to ten. And I'm like, seven and two-thirds? You've lost the battle. Seven and three-quarters. Yeah. Oh. Uh, yeah, anyway. Yeah. You know, it, my favorite. It my favorite in jail is right the, now,
0: I'm telling you. My favorite is the one where there's like a full-on diplomatic like envoy going on. Like, we're going to have diplomacy with the three-year-old. Yeah, diplomacy doesn't work with three year olds. No, it doesn't
1: no. work with adults. Yeah, it hasn't worked so much in the Middle East. Yeah, yet. how's that working? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the longest family feud in history, right? Oil boy, oh boy. So anyway, no, Johnny, we're gonna do a tariff. I, that we're probably do a tariff totally. On you. That yeah. probably totally
0: answers why is it so often to or it's difficult to love others. Yeah.
1: Yeah, because from their inception, we're I'm sinful. They're sinful. Okay, it's it's difficult to love others because other people are selfish can yep. be so selfish. We can be too. Rude, insensitive, ungodly. And that's why it's a miracle of God's grace that he loved us. Right. And then I was the page 2 of that is because we can be so selfish, rude, ungodly, right. all those things. And so it's in our sin nature mm, and it should disgust us and upset us and cuz we don't want to be that guy. Yes. I had to be that guy this morning a little bit. Oh, no. I was meeting somebody at the local coffee establishment, mm-hmm. and there's like three marks in line for drinks. And I was pretty sure. you got to some... use a different name. I, I usually do. Yeah. I use a different name. Markle. No? No. No. Julio. Julio. I use Julio all the time.
0: My name is not very, like,
1: typical. So yeah, miles so Miles. There's not a lot of Miles. Now. But Mark's, yeah. you could get your pizza grab right. all oh, the yeah. time. Yeah, yeah. So, Hey, Julio. that's my pie. Yeah. So, um, but, I'll, you know, it was there. And it was going on and on and on and on. And, and I'm not talking, like, three minutes. We're, like, nine, long ways. And I go, man. And I knew the gal across the counter. Yep. And I said, hey, Taryn, I don't want to be that guy, but I think my drink's gone. And another mark took your drink stinking mark
0: yeah so he wasn't saying i mark. hope you
1: liked it you know what he's probably an americano drinker from now on there you so, go there you yeah go. i mean that was only seven cups of coffee in that day oh, so man it showed man yeah. i was excited oh, okay you need a banana so that's why it's difficult to love others they yep. have a sin nature we have a sin nature and it's meant to drive us to a place where only jesus can fix it amen we are making great time all right there three. we go number three why does Oh, summary Number three, does God still love those who are responsible for mass shootings?
0: Well, with one going on right now, yes, God still loves them. Just like I love my children, right. even though I don't always love their sinful actions. Right. So two things can be true at
1: once. God loves sinners and God hates sinful wickedness. And as a pastor and a Christian yeah. dad, husband... I always want to believe there's always room for people Redemption. to repent right. and to be saved. Mm-hmm. Every person that ever lived. I, that's why I disagree with one of our favorite, you know, things we have to address there. But there's always the possibility that anybody. I've always believed that God set it up so anybody can be saved. They just need to repent and confess with their mouths and follow Jesus. Amen. Right. So um, yes, He does. That was easy. He, yeah, He doesn't like what they do, though. That, right. That's no, He hates. And, and there will the be murder. justice.
0: Yeah. And we also expect that there should be uh, criminal justice in society. I mean, Absolutely. Romans chapter 13 talks very clearly about this, that the the, the um, ruler does not bear the sword in vain. Right. So they, right. they have the position of bringing justice upon people uh, because God has ordained it so. So yeah. that's what we have in society. The Ep- All the way back to Genesis chapter 9.
1: Yeah, the Epstein thing lately, oh, where, man. Um, Kind of. Um, I was a little surprised by that surprised in what way well you know the guy committed suicide allegedly um, allegedly you know <laughs> yeah you think the clintons knocked him on oh what? my there's a whole bunch of conspiracy i think it was the illuminati on. that's what Hashtag, i'm going with yeah, yeah it's the illuminati but anyway it's um, always the illuminati blame the illuminati for everything oh that's what it's worked for me yeah. that's why i never got my homework in on time that's why the earth is flat absolutely the illuminati. oh yeah um yeah. so uh, that's why there's foxes on the temple mount
0: Oh yeah, we read about that last week. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So and the banana Anyways, famine you were saying. Yeah.
1: So, uh, but I my first thought is that dude's roasted in hell. Very likely. That's that's justice. Um, that's
0: that's bigger justice than yeah, what we could offer. God do totally not be afraid has of him this. who can destroy your body, but be afraid of him who can yeah, destroy your body so and soul I'm thinking, hell. You know,
1: that'll do. Right, yeah and, yeah, and but some people really he just upped the uh, the date of his meeting with Justice. Yeah, because yeah. Um, yeah, so I, but people were really upset that they didn't get to yell and scream at him. I guess so, and I, those poor victims, I feel horrible for them. It's
0: pretty horrible. It went on way too long. More, yeah, more than it should have. This should have been
1: done legally the right way about ten years ago. Yeah, well, I'm a little upset at the the first round when they should have got him. Yeah, that was not justice.
0: Well, in in some ways, it it kind of hits at people's big fears that if you've got. Financial means you can find your way out of some of these things, which, you know, unfortunately, we live in a fallen society. And there's a lot of truth to that. We've
1: both proven that you can't buy your way out of anything here at Cross Connection. Jet, hasn't worked so far. Jet ski ticket. I mean, you know. Yeah, that was, I tried. That I was, tried. You know that you and Jason, that was the big crime so far? I'm a criminal. That's the only ticket I've ever had, though. Wow. OK. I'd like to say that about myself. Yeah. OK. So I think we answered that. I'm good with it. Okay, how can God be so loving and yet allow so much evil in our world? Uh, okay. Huh, this, first of all, yeah, God did not create the evil.
0: Yeah, well, that, that certainly is our theological position. Yeah. But I, the way I'm going to come at this sometimes kind of makes people look at me funny when they ask, because I've had this question many times before. Well, I'm looking at you funny right, right now. It is because God is loving that we have so much evil in the world. And the reason I say that because I know I see, it seems at face value to make no sense whatsoever. But the reason I say that is that we have evil and suffering in the world because God, constrained by his nature, had to create the world as he did, in which individuals who are created in his image have the capacity to choose something other than him. So, so sometimes people have a hard time with the idea that there are certain things that God can't do, and God, constrained by his nature, one of the things God can't do is he cannot lie. So God is constrained by his nature. And since God is love, then that means that he cannot create people created, or he cannot create beings in his image and force them to live in love with him and a relationship with him. So he has to create and give an opportunity for man to choose other than God. And if man chooses other than God, well, if God is just, then the antitype of that is going to be injustice. If God is good, then the antitype of that is going to be evil. If God is light, the antitype is darkness. So, so I think that we need to recognize that the the reason the world is the way it is is because God was constrained by his his nature, which is love, to create as he did, but in accordance with his love, he has also planned redemption, and right. so he sent his son to die in our place so that there could be redemption. And ultimately, God's end game—to use a Marvel thing—the end game has nothing to do with Thanos. God Does, doesn't
1: Batman die in that one. That's DC.
0: That's okay, not just Marvel. checking your yeah, just yeah, checking yeah. your knowledge. Base. I know I know my my universes. Maybe not as good as Pastor Anthony, but I know my universes. He went to Comic Con. Awesome. You wouldn't you wouldn't catch me there. No, me neither. No, because I'm cheap. That's why. But anyway, so um, Jesus is my superhero. Absolutely.
1: There you go. You like that?
0: Yeah. He walks on water. He, a he t- just appears. He raises from the dead. I man, there's a T-shirt didn't, in there somewhere. Did Superman die? in one of the most recent movies i think superman's dead uh yeah, they bring him back oh
1: okay how's that happen uh i think ele- i think it was electricity was involved
0: you know it is interesting that 1. our 1.21 gigawatts our culture is so infatuated with these superhero stories because they ultimately it it reveals this desire in the human heart for a great redeemer to come and set things right there you go so that's in line with the i know what story. the end game is really i know what the end game is God wins, and He is going to have a perfect paradise. There yeah. will be no more death, no more sorrow, no more tears, no more suffering. I'm
1: looking forward to that. And the devil, it doesn't end so well for him.
0: No, there's something like a lake of fire.
1: Yeah, mm. it's like a jacuzzi, but with molten lava. A little bit hotter than a jacuzzi. A little Hotter than a jacuzzi. Yes. Yeah. So, did you have anything to add to number four? No, I'm I'm down with that. That's that, that makes sense to me. I'm good with that. All right. Yeah, I'm good with that. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm taking it, and. Um, and part of a loving relationship is it, there has to be choice in it.
0: Right. right. So, And um, he created the opportunity for choice, which means man can choose other than God. And since God is good, man can choose evil. Yeah.
1: If I have to love my wife, it's not a choice. And the result is death. Death. Yeah. So, yeah. okay. I'm good with that. Now, number five. I, man, I got some thoughts on this one. here. Oh, okay. I, I look forward to hearing them. Yes. Uh, is it possible to know God's love and allow our hearts to grow numb To its reality and power. What do you think, Pastor Miles?
0: Well, I I, I don't know. You have some things you want to say about it, so I kind of want to hear you first. Okay. Well,
1: the answer is yes. Okay. Okay. And I think there's things, uh, areas we can get into as believers, uh, and I can't expect to cover them all exhaustively, but just a few things I've seen in people's lives, and then also in people in the Bible, uh, these different characters we have in the Bible as examples, Um. I'm definitely seeing that one that's an issue in people's lives. Um, David was in a place, you know, God did all this for him. And, yeah, and he's a, a good a, example. Yeah. And, and I think part of David's life. Yeah. He was there as an example. It's written about exhaustively. Um, and in fact, you're in the Red Path book right I'm, now. I'm the taking making a of group of guys, guys yeah.
0: through a David, a book about David. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And so um, David, um, there's the Bathsheba incident. Yeah, that was
0: not a high point in his life. No,
1: and but that's the one most people point out. But the one they don't realize is right around the same time, God has him go to war, and he decides he's going to take a census of everybody to see how many fighting people he has. And God's not happy with that. There are some good ups and downs in the arc of David's life. Yeah. He, he has some good screw-ups. Right. So when he messed up, what did he mess up in? Well, he had he all of a sudden started to think that he was... Uh, an earthly king, I mean, he was an earthly king, but uh, his power came from his judgment and uh, his battles and all those things. And he didn't acknowledge the fact that God is the one that put him there, took him from shepherd boy to there. And he certainly got schooled and reminded of that um, later on uh, by Nathan, the prophet, came back and reminded him of. So uh, a little self importance and. That never happened to the yeah, leader. In in, uh in self indulgence. That will make you numb to God. It will have you start to drift away from God. Uh, Another one we see is anger. If you're an angry person and you're constantly disappointed in God, disappointed in people and those around you because they don't measure up. Uh, Moses had a little struggle with that. Uh, The beating of the rock, he didn't do that because he was happy. There was assumption there, presumption there, but he was also angry, I believe it said. A little frustrated? Yeah, he's frustrated with the people, and I get that. That can take you... Um, away from a place where you're hearing the Lord because your heart is angry and um, you can't, Yeah, you know, it takes a certain amount of self-importance to even to be angry. There's some good thoughts on there. Okay. And then uh, one of the last ones that I think is um, really a killer in uh, Christians is the old Pharisee thing. When we get to a point in our lives where we've arrived as Christians, we sort of think, and maybe those things that we struggle with when we were younger are gone. You know, you have a wife, you have money and security and a house. And some of the things that you used to do that were temptation really aren't a temptation anymore. There's a really, there is a temptation, a trap that we can fall into that feel like we have arrived and we can look down our noses at others and we can have a, um, not be understanding and forgiving and full of grace. And we start to see people differently than God sees them. Mm. And um, God does not like that. Yeah. And boy, if you want to shut the communi- lines of communication down, uh, start to be a Pharisee and look at God like through those eyes. And it's—I mean—it's going to basically take the uh, road to Damascus experience to pe- pierce through that. And some of the grumpiest, ineffective, not so much fun to be around Christians that I've been around are typically people who are very legalistic. Uh, they're Pharisees. Uh, they know their Bibles. They read their Bibles. Yeah. Um, in fact, a, a part of that is is maybe they're spending too much time reading their Bibles because they're reading them the wrong way. They're not reading them, um, at, you know, with grace and mercy in their eyes and the thought of this, this loving, re- basically a recording and evidence of God's heart towards us. They're not reading them like that. They're reading it in a way that they can use it as a weapon on people. And boy, mm. when you weaponize the gospel.
0: Yeah, that doesn't sound good.
1: No, that is not good, and that is a, that is very, very... That's why Paul tells Timothy to use the law lawfully, the right, right. way. Yeah. I think one of the things, last parting shots there with David is when Nathan comes to David... 2 Samuel 11. Yes, comes to him, and David starts to, you know, here's the story of this guy who... You know, it's basically him, but it's a story. He hears a fictional story. He doesn't see himself in it quite yet. No. And David... He has righteous indignation. Right. So David has righteous indignation, and he demands twice of what the law's punishment is. And he says something, a quote that's very telling. He says, he did this, the bad guy who, you know, had plenty on his own and, you know, killed the guy for his one little lamb. Yeah. He said, he did this because he had no compassion Mm. And the, the compassion and the, the way that it's chamal is the word.
0: Man, look at you, and Mr. Hebrew, I, man.
1: Dude, I know. That's my one, my Hebrew word for the, but... I'm I'm assuming you maybe did a study on this once. A long time ago. I remember doing that. But one of the things I presented is the things that we do when we have no chamal, com- compassion. Um, and the, that word, the way it is used, is as if we had seen a, a hurting child, somebody that needs our help. And so basically what he's saying is, is, this guy didn't even have the compassion that any, you know, an axe murderer would show towards a child or somebody innocent that was hurting and needed help. This guy didn't even have this. And I'll tell you, compassion is the very heart of God. That is what drove Jesus to the cross, was his compassion for us. And that's 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 what drove him to the cross. I mean, I know it was prophesied and all that, but... That is his love for us. God's love for us is what drove Jesus to the cross, the compassion there, that same type of compassion. And you know what? We have to have that for other people or we'll be numb and lame. Nobody wants to be lame. Don't be lame. Okay. Your thoughts, Pastor Miles?
0: Okay. I have a couple things that that come to mind on this. One, uh, the verse that was one of the theme verses from our text this last week in 1 John 4, 1 John 4, 8. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Beloved, let us love one another. Um. So he who does not love does not know God. So is it possible to know God's love and allow our hearts to grow numb to its reality and power? You really need to check if we if you find yourself drifting in that area, or if you see another brother or sister drifting into that area, you need to encourage them to come back to the importance of the gospel and to be reminded of the love of God, because... Uh, that verse is a challenging one, First John four, eight. So, um, but the other part of this that comes to mind is, uh, you you know, the seven churches of Asia, the yeah. Revelation chapter two and three, and um, you know, there's some people who take kind of an allegorical interpretation of Revelation two and three and the seven churches, and they say that these churches are examples of yeah. churches in our day. And so, I when I read through the seven churches of Asia, there are two that really stand out, and I think, man. I think that Jesus could write these letters to the churches of the West today. And oh, the wow. first one is Ephesus. The other one's Laodicea, the mm-hmm. lukewarm church. But the first one is Ephesus. And Jesus says to the church at Ephesus, and this goes back to your discussion about Phariseeism, that the church at Ephesus, they had things going on. Jesus says to them, I know your works and your patience that you cannot bear with those who are evil and you hate. You have tested and say, those mm-hmm. who say they are apostles and are not. You've found them liars. You have persevered and have patience and you've labored for my namesake. Let me so guess, like,
1: they had no love. Absolutely. Ooh.
0: So they had a they had all this oh, stuff man. going on religiously, and then Jesus says, Nevertheless, I have this against you. You've left your first love. And he says to them, Remember where you've come from and repent. You've fallen, repent, and uh you gotta get things right with the Lord and with other people because you can be theologically, you know, got all kinds of doctrine in order. Yeah. And if you have not loved, you've became become like a sounding brass or a clanging symbol, First Corinthians thirteen. Yeah. So uh so we have to really be checking ourselves to see, you know, is The evidence of the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, is it evident in my
1: life? Right, And it's really sad because I've met some people over the years, and I'm sure you have, and faces and names come to your mind, um, that um, they've been forgiven so much. God has restored them so much. And when they've finally, you know, in their head, maybe conquered, we'll call it, they've gotten to a place where those aren't struggles anymore. And they just, they should be the most forgiving people on the planet because they've been forgiven much, but they don't have that attitude. Yeah. And, um, he was forgiven
0: much loves much.
1: Yeah. And I, I, I'm just telling you personally, you know, every time I get in a pulpit or I'm called to do a wedding or a memorial or, you know, some churchy opportunity. One of the first things I always think to myself is Lord, what am I doing here that you would use me for this? I I always want to have that attitude of, you know, wow, I get to do this. This is kind of crazy, you know. Um, we want to be humble about yes. that, and we want to know that we've been forgiven so much, and, and that's the attitude we want to go into these places. If we want to be used by God, we, we have to be humble. Humility so, is important. Humility is really... And, God but, resists
0: the proud and draws near to the humble.
1: Yeah, and so uh, being pharisaical and a legalist and looking down your nose at other people, man, that is so far away from God's heart.
0: Well, one of the seven things that are abomination is a proud look. Yeah.
1: Whew. Yeah, man, I don't want to make God man. Don't be abominable. Yeah, so I think we answered that and more. Which one was that? That was number Five? cinco. Five? Oh, okay. you didn't get to, well. Yeah, no, 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 I waited. No, I waited. I, in. In. I yeah, think yeah, I
0: yeah. I said my piece. Yeah,
1: number six. Okay. Uh, do you think our culture struggles with loving others because we have traded spending quality time with each other for social media and settled for more isolation? I totally would agree with that.
0: Yeah, I guess maybe that's a component.
1: I, yeah, I mean it's not just social media, not just social media. I think I mean.
0: it's. It's worthwhile for us to examine the things that are uh, kind of sucking our time. Yeah. Well, the, the three basic things, our energy, our money, and our time. Energy assets energy and time. Energy assets no. and time. No. What Eat. you are giving your energy assets and yeah. time to is going gonna, is gonna to grow. And so we should, from time to time, to, 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 we should assess where our energy assets and time are going uh, because those things are going to become pretty dominant in our lives And if we find that social media is uh, really taking a, a, you know, there was a article came out earlier this year that showed that the average American spends 11 hours of screen time a day. Now, some of that is at work sitting in front of a computer, but that's an awful lot of time. And a lot of that is social media. There's a lot of people that spend a lot of time in social media. And when I think about that, I think it's important to step back and see what is it about social media that draws people in? And one of the things that it draws people in is it gives a sense of connection. It gives kind of a sense of, of uh, community, but it's not genuine. It's not authentic. And ultimately, it's a cheap counterfeit of what God ultimately desires for us. It's kind of like a connection placebo.
1: And so I think that— Okay, okay. I, I was going to call it social pornography, but okay, you're nicer. Right. Yeah. Well- I mean, it's just not, it's not real. Right, right. And it's a it's a it's a but that brings up a good point. Substitute. Like some people
0: are sucked into pornography, oh, some yeah. people are sucked into uh social media, some people are sucked into shopping, you know, shopping can right. become a vice. Any of these things can become a significant vice in a person's life. And uh so you know, social media is not on the same level of pornography. I think pornography is a, is a danger, er, dangerous area. of Well, most, yeah, but, it, it but rots, your, still, rots your brain and soul.
1: Yeah. For sure. Right. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. But, um, but I do think that in one sense it's kind of that connection placebo that is like, it's a cheap counterfeit and God has something far better. Now that's not to say that we can't use social media to interact with people. And it is amazing that we can interact with people who are on different continents instantly. I mean, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, but it shouldn't take a chief part of your life. And if it does, it's going to lead in uh, some not-so-good directions. That's why that article we were reading earlier about how now we need a pill to deal with loneliness. You have these people that are the most well-connected people ever in all of history, and yet they're lonely. Why is that? Because it's just a placebo. It's not real. It's not real. Not real. So
1: I'm thinking about resurrecting my Facebook account.
0: Yeah. That's a little strange. You got some people you got to interact with on the
1: on the book of faces? No. Ah, I, I'm thinking about putting the podcast on there. Because, I mean, I got oh, people. Oh, I mean, you got people. people. Yeah, I mean, that, that might enrich some people's lives. I could use Facebook for good. Yes. So, absolutely. good and not evil. It's like there a superpower.
0: Okay, all of our five listeners, share the podcast on social media. That's how you can use social
1: media for hey, good. I can now say, with all integrity, Yeah. That we have hundreds of listeners. Yeah, true. That's awesome.
0: Man. Okay, so, listeners, you have given us five-star ratings. Share the podcast. Share, 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 share. Share, yes. share, share. Share the love. Right. So, yes, I think... In- Maybe the podcast needs a Facebook page.
1: Oh, you know, we could do we that. We should do that. Yeah, okay. we could totally do that. We'll get right that. on that. Okay, yeah. I got We got people. Boom. Okay, last one. Uh, mm, last oh, no, no. no we got no, two more. We got two more. So my eight-year-old asked me a couple of tricky questions. Does the baby who dies before birth or even shortly after go to heaven if they don't know God? And what about kids, adults with special needs? We have family who lost both stillborn child and a child with Downs. Thank you. Oh, so, that's heavy. Yeah. I,
0: I have to say at the start, this eight-year-old is awesome. Asking a tough question. Those are,
1: I think I know who this eight-year-old is. I'm going oh, okay. to ask later on. I but, like these eight-year-old questions. Yeah. These
0: are good questions. Yeah, yeah. So does the baby who dies before birth or even shortly after Earth go to heaven? I'm going to go out on a limb and say, I think they do. And uh, this is a big discussion. Has been a big discussion for Christian thinkers and theologians for a long time. And there's different opinions and scriptural opinions on this. And my my general view, I, I the passage I go back to routinely on this is something that King David again said after the whole incident with Bathsheba. She gets pregnant. That yeah. child is born, and that child gets sick and ultimately dies. And before the child dies, when the child is sick, this is recorded in Second uh, Samuel chapter 12, which is the same passage where uh, Nathan came and confronted David. But um, so in that passage, this child is sick and the child is, is ultimately going to die. But during the time when the child is sick, David is praying and fasting and seeking the Lord that God would heal the child. But the child died. And then David breaks his fast and goes and takes a bath and cleans up and then his uh, his servants are totally blown away by this they're going what on earth have you done i mean while the child was alive you fasted but now that the child is dead now you're like you're okay and he says this is in 2 uh, second samuel chapter 12 verse 23 uh i'm um, verse 22 david said while the child was alive i fasted and wept for i said who can tell whether the lord will be gracious to me and the child may live but now that he is dead why should i i fast can i bring him back again shall, uh, and then he says, I shall go to him, but he shall not return to me. So David had faith that this child that died, who was probably not old enough, it was probably just a little baby, uh, not old enough to be able to make a decision to trust in Jesus. Um, But he says, I, this child's not going to come back to me, but I shall go to this child. So he had an anticipation of the afterlife, and he trusted that that child was going to be with the Lord. So uh, based on that passage, and a few other places of scripture, I, I tend to go back to that, and I say that there is some sort of age of moral accountability at which a child is able to discern good and evil and understand the gospel. And so God deals with people according to their capacity to understand the gospel and, and make a profession of faith. And if they have no capacity to understand the gospel, and uh, then I think God is merciful and gracious. Yeah. But I know you had some... Now, in thinking about the second part of this question, I know you had quite a conversation with a brother who was a part of the church a number of years ago. Who this was a really big deal to yeah, him because absolutely. he had a son who I believe had Down syndrome, correct? Right? Correct.
1: Yeah. And uh, my immediate answer was because when I look at something, well, there's a question and it isn't directly addressed in Scripture. Well, we we can Wanna say look this for the is not, yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's a hard question, but um, I always fall back on you know we got to go back with the nature of God, who God right. is, who's he, who's He shown Himself to be not only in the Word, but also in my life and the lives of others and people I minister to. And um, how I put it to people is, is look, if I was in charge of this, and I'm you know, i trying to be a godly guy and follow the Lord and all this, if I'm put in charge of this, I'm totally going to go with grace and mercy, and how can I hold somebody accountable for something that they have never heard or known of before, don't have the capacity, or I mean, you know, can't even think hardly, you know, right. little, little things. So I, I'm going to assume God is more gracious more merciful uh has a better capacity for judgment and justice so i'm going to say yeah they're going to go into the arms of jesus that's 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 what i'm banking on and i firmly believe that and um for this one gentleman a great guy but he had a a son he had some type of a congenital anomaly it was a i believe i think it was downs something like that and um uh he had asked that because his son was living and healthy and all that, but that was a real concern of his. And I absolutely believe that if his son was to perish, um, that he would, he would be in heaven. And, uh, so I believe that. And the same thing with the, uh, uh, babies. And I think, you know, another thing you can look at that will cement this a little bit more. She just brought up David and his, his attitude. And I'll tell you, I mean, as many mistakes as David made, there are few people that have walked the earth, that have an understanding and understand the heart of God more than David did. It said that David was a man after God's own heart, and part of that was what God saw in David's heart when he was a shepherd boy on those hills, singing to him, praising to him, not out of requirement or obligation, but a true heart of love is what propelled David to a place of being the king of one of the most powerful nations on the earth because he was one of the few kings that God thought he could trust with this. I'll go out and say that and became the most famous King probably of all Kings. Right. Uh, and so, um, well, think, this, you know, I'm going to go, I'm going to, I'm going to go, with,
0: I'm going, I'm siding with David on this. These one. two eight year old questions lead to another question that often comes up. And that has to do with what about the person who never has the opportunity to hear the gospel that lives in a place like Pakistan or Iran, where there are no Christian witnesses. And there's been certainly a lot of people that have lived in these places where there's no Christian witness. Uh, and what about those people? And, you know, I talked about this when we did our series on hell. Uh, well, gosh, maybe three, four years ago. And um, But I, I do think that what, what David talks about here and what you're bringing up about mm-hmm. the nature of God and the mercy and justice of God, because this is really a question about the justice of God and right. the mercy of God. It's exactly the question that Abraham asked God when God revealed to Abraham That's that right. he was going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And Abraham intercedes with God. This is in Genesis chapter 18, which is worth going back and reading. But there, as Abraham's interceding with God, God informs uh, Abraham that he's going to destroy the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah and three other cities down near there. And Abraham's got some stake in this because he's got his nephew, Lot, and Lot's family who live down there. But he also seems to express genuine concern for the potentially righteous people who live there. You know, there might be good people who live there. What about those people? One of my favorite words, peradventure. Peradventure, that's the King James. Peradventure, there are 50 50 righteous, righteous men. And God says, I will spare the entire city for 50 righteous people. And then he says, oh, and, and you can kind of tell that it's a great story because you can tell that Abraham's kind of like, yeah, there's Abraham's,
1: probably Abraham's, Abraham's one of the first great Jewish lawyer Legog- agents. Negotiator, that's right. He's, he's negotiating negotiator. with God. Yeah. God that's yeah. amazing. Yeah,
0: and, and he and he yeah. basically goes, oh, gosh, he's thinking about it. You can kind of see the wheels turning, like, there's probably not 50 righteous people. Oh, you're there. right. God Suppose not. there's five less. Yeah, <laughs> and He just yeah. keeps going down, 10, yeah. 10 down, and he gets down to 10 righteous. Suppose there's only 10 righteous. But he says something in that passage that is totally worth considering because he— he asks God, he, Abraham recognizes, God, you are the judge of all the earth. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? That question is That's so powerful. Because if there is a judge of all the earth, then he needs to be righteous in the way that he judges. And, right. and ultimately, what you see. God doesn't answer that question directly to Abraham when he says, shall not the judge of all the earth do right? But he but does what he answers him. it in his actions. Yes, his actions. And then huge. there's another passage in Isaiah chapter 11. And that's
1: a good point. I like that. That's good. I yeah. like that. I forgot about that.
0: In Isaiah chapter 11, there's a great uh, prophecy given or statement given from Isaiah where God informs us that he does not judge by the seeing of the eyes or the hearing of the ears, but he judges with righteous judgment. And, and we, you know, I would say that, We live under one of the better justice systems in the world. It's not perfect. There are people who are guilty, who are let off. Go free. There are people who are not guilty, who end up spending a long time in jail or are even put to death, which is horrible. So we recognize that we have a flawed system, but it's about the best we can do. And uh, it's better than a lot of other systems that have happened throughout history. But our entire system is based upon the seeing of the eyes and the hearing of the ears. It's on the hearing of testimony and the seeing of evidence. And we make a decision and hopefully with 12 people, you can make a decision and come to a conclusion about something, but we fail. But God does not judge according to the seeing of the eyes or the hearing of the ears. It's not about evidence or testimony. God judges with perfect righteous judgment because he knows the heart. And so I'm just going to trust I'm not more merciful or just than a holy, just and merciful God. And one of my favorite passages in the old Testament is when God introduces himself to uh, Moses on Mount Sinai and Moses wants to see God's glory. And in Exodus 34, verses six and seven, the Lord introduces himself, gives his like his full nature. He says, I'm the Lord, the Lord God merciful. The first word he chooses of all the innumerable attributes of God, the first word that he chooses to say is I'm the Lord God merciful. And and I'm so grateful for that because he could have said, I'm the Lord, the Lord God Holy. And if he did, none of us would be here. But it's true, he is holy. Right. And he is yeah. just, but he proceeds with his, his mercy. So I think that's, that's worth noting. So yeah. God in dealing with people, I'm going to say he's merciful. That doesn't mean that people are saved outside of the, um, the substitutionary death of Jesus. His death on the cross is the only thing that deals with our sin. But God deals according to mercy with people according to their capacity and what they know, I
1: think. Right. And God can do whatever he wants.
0: He can. Yeah. It's so. his world.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, speaking of Jewish lawyers. Yes. Has our favorite Jewish lawyer. Paul the Apostle? No. Bruce second favorite Bruce Zachary. Oh, has Bruce. he heard the podcast?
0: Pastor Bruce. You know what? We're giving Bruce a shout out and then we're going to have to send him a link and say, listen, we talked yeah. about you on the podcast. Absolutely. He is our favorite Jewish lawyer. Living Jewish lawyer. Living Jewish yeah. lawyer. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I think that's the way to go. Yeah, yeah. He's the man. So. He needs a better
0: name like Shapiro. Shapiro sounds like a Jewish lawyer name. But me.
1: Zachary's. Is that pretty good?
0: Yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah. I mean, and it's cool because his parents didn't name him Zach Zachary, which that was good.
0: You know, yeah, that would be, that'd be awesome. He probably has a brother named Zach. Who knows? I know. know, I think he has a brother who's also a lawyer. I think he's like one of the chief counsel for Disney. Like these are legit Jewish people. We got got nothing. But he's
1: a pastor. It's awesome. That's awesome. It's great. So, you know, hey. Church
0: planter, pastor. God had other ideas. He's not the kind of guy that you want to argue with though because he knows how to argue a point. He's good. You know what though? We should have him on the podcast someday. We should totally yes. do that.
1: The, I remember the first time I met him; he had these little red vans on. Yeah, and and like I always have an opening line when I meet people, and the first thing that went through my head is I'm always wondering, like, where do you come up with this stuff? Because oh, you're so he, quick on it. I'm yeah, not. I I just I, oh, I I saw the red vans, and I'm like, did you steal your daughter's shoes? But I, I didn't. I because I, he was your friend, I went easy uh, on him. But I thought, man, he stole oh, his daughter's oh, shoes. Little. He doesn't who, have a daughter. Two who sons. wears red vans? Two you know, sons, no daughters. You know, gosh, I just, yeah, a lot of people. I went to high school with a bunch of potential Jewish lawyers. Yeah. Most of them were my friends because it was a Jewish neighborhood. And so, La Jolla. Uh, yeah. So, I might have put a couple of Bruce Zachary's in a trash can. And you know, I, what, God, yeah.
0: God's going to be just with you someday about well, that.
1: Well, he did. He look what he did with me. Look where I am. Yeah, Escondido. Exactly. I'm La across the actual Wow. So all right. So um, anyway, I feel like we answered that question. In this, this is song. the
0: paradise north of La Jolla. I
1: love it. Um, when can, the
0: tsunami happens, we'll be safe, they won't.
1: We'll have beachfront property. There you go. Um, can you talk about are we on number love, eight?: Yes, okay. can you talk about what love looks like in different situations. Is the best kind of love always sacrificial, or can it be more loving in some situations to set boundaries? Question mark. How can you tell the difference and what are, and excuse me, and are there any biblical examples of lovingly setting boundaries?
0: Okay, I'll answer the last part of this question first. Uh, are there any biblical examples of lovingly setting boundaries? Yeah, the entire law of God, (laughs) the Old Testament, that's a biblical example of God lovingly setting boundaries. And he set those boundaries because God knows that sin is ultimately going to lead us to destruction. It's going to lead us to death. It's going to lead us to all kinds of brokenness in life and in society. And so he establishes loving boundaries, knowing that if you go that path, it's going to lead to total destruction. So, I mean, Deuteronomy chapter 28, I believe it is, gives the blessing and the cursings of the law. And you look at, hey, you're going to be blessed if you do A, and B, C, D. And you're going to be cursed if you do this X, Y, and Z. And so do this, and you're going to be blessed, and do this, and you're going to be cursed. And then, um, Ab- I'm sorry, Moses wraps it up, and he says, I've set before you today life and death, blessing and cursing. Choose life that you might live. So it's like, here's the boundaries. You walk in this way, you're going to be blessed, you don't. There's going to be judgment. And uh, sometimes it's not necessarily just the judgment of God. It's the judgment of your own actions. It's the judgment of your sinful actions that bring consequences that are dreadful and terrible. So, um, so yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb and say, I think that this is probably a, a mom asking this question and uh, wanting to set up boundaries with her kids. And, yes, mom, you love your kids. You set up boundaries with your kids because you know that if you don't follow these kind of best practices, if you will, then it's going to lead you into a path that's not going to be a flourishing path in life. It's going to lead you to a lot of hurt and pain. So it's like, man, the laws, the rules I set down for my kids, the boundaries, it's because I love them and I want them to flourish and have a life. That's great. Yeah.
1: So one of the things I see is, um, sometimes there's a little bit of inflation in grace in people in such a way. There's like a cheap grace. Do thing. explain. Well, they, they inflation in grace. Yeah, that sounds like a, like a good topic. Right yeah. sounds like a sermon, but, um, Sometimes in a situation, and I get called to these in a the pastor role, is um, somebody needs to be told, you're out of line, you're outside the boundaries, you're doing something that's bad for you or or others, Right. and it would be really easy in that situation to just pat them on the head and say, you know, oh, it's not your fault, it'll be fine, or just not address it, and um, you know, when I go through Timothy and Titus, and I look at the kind of the pastoral rap sheet like things we're supposed to manage and take care of and qualifications and things God did not give us as pastors and husbands a ton that we have to manage like he did not this is not all dependent on us but there are some things he's definitely called us to manage in our families and in people's lives and in the church uh, for you and I Um, and like I don't want God to jump in and have to do my job for me like I don't want to be slacker on that so there's some times when you can approach somebody, somebody and they have you have to say something really hard, really direct, and something they probably needed to hear a long time ago. And they probably know it. They absolutely yeah. know it. And um, it's like a joke. A joke is always the funniest when there's truth in it. Right. Well, it's always the most painful when there's truth in it and it's direct and they know they're guilty. You will get the reaction. And it is, in, I think to let something go unaddressed in a person's life that you love that is something that's harmful to them and harmful to others around them and to say well I'm just going to be loving and just let it go that is not loving that is well yeah it's like if I'm watching
0: if I'm watching my child walk towards something that's dangerous like traffic that's coming and I don't stop them you would question whether or not I love them
1: right right and so um, you know I've been called to say some things to people and I do it directly but in love yeah and it's, okay, what does that look like? I do it directly in love. What's that
0: practically look you're like?
1: You're sitting in a you're sitting in a um, uh, counseling appointment with yep. a husband and a wife. Had a couple le- of those, you, yeah, multitude. And let's say um, the husband is professing to be the Christian and this and that, and he knows every verse in the Bible and this and that. And the wife is not as into it, and you know this and that. And um, when and, but they're having troubles and they're on the edge of divorce. I've actually had this happen. And a few times. And um, when it starts to unroll and unfold, uh, it turns out the quote-unquote Christian in the relationship is really being ungodly, not loving, not fulfilling the role that God has established for them. They're not putting the effort in. Maybe they're even, you want to light me up? Find it? Why Why would I ever want to follow Jesus if you're the example well, of it? Yeah, and right? then if you want to light me up as a pastor, let me catch you in your marriage relationship as a Christian and you're not doing your part because you say, well, they can't divorce me because God Ooh, won't allow yeah, me. So no using bueno. Jesus as the no enforcer, bueno, you know, if I, I want to get out of my chair and yeah. do bodily harm. But I've had it. In... And
0: you got, a, you got a scriptural problem there, too, because in 1 Corinthians 7, when, when Paul talks about marriage, he talks about the unbelieving spouse. And if that person chooses they want to leave, Paul kind of goes, well, I guess they're going to leave. Yeah. That's that's challenging.
1: Yeah, and they don't like it. No well, bueno, it's, it's not
0: it. not that it's not a bad thing. It is a bad thing. Well, I but, understand, but right. it's
1: also not the unforgivable sin. I tell people all the time, hey, people get divorced all the time, so put the effort in, Christian. Right. But in that case, I end up calling the guy out because he's not being godly. He's not leading his wife in this. He's being completely ungodly. He's not loving
0: his wife as Christ loved the church. Exactly,
1: not right. self-sacrifice. And I call him out, and I say, and I just directly tell them, like, this is what you're doing. This is what the word says about it. And this is probably what she's thinking. And you're being a poor example and you need to repent right now. Repent. And we're not going to have another session. We're not going to do another thing until you get your heart right. And I've had that guy leave the church. Mm. I've had that gal leave the church. I've had that person mad at me. I've had that person, um, go to my boss. I've had all those things over the years and giving these people counsel. And, That was a hard right word. Now I've had some of those same people. I was the person that spoke into their life, and they couldn't sleep. They were upset. The Holy Spirit and I pray the Holy Spirit would do it. That's right. And I've had them come back a day later. I've had them come back years later and apologize and said, "Man, you had my number. You clearly heard from the Lord, and you told me what I needed to hear." And you know, pulling no punches. Yeah, if I was trying to win a popularity contest, I would not do that but the most loving thing I could do for that guy or gal is to tell them directly the truth because they need to hear the truth. And again, not because you're trying to crush them, but you want to see them stop shooting themselves in the foot. So that's one example. Um, uh, You know, God does not like it when people sow discord among brethren at the church and gossip and things. And I'm the kind of guy I will walk up to somebody and say, Hey, I heard you were saying this and this and this. Yeah, that is ungodly. Let me show you that. And they don't like it. They don't expect that because we're in a non-confrontational um, uh, culture.
0: Yeah, we're we're basically enculturated to think that love never, or basically, always turns the the eye and never confronts yeah, anything I, that's wrong.
1: Yeah, that's and not like, true. You know, it, actually, that's one of the reasons I got rid of my Facebook account originally. Is I was having a, <laughs> two Christians are going at one another, and so I'm I like, I can't
0: take it anymore. I, I want to jump into this, but I can't.
1: Well, I, I sometimes I have to, if it's yeah, but it's in always going to be
0: misinterpreted through just text on a screen. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, no. I yeah. call them into my office and I go, right. you guys
1: are not being good to one another no. and you're making Jesus look bad, so knock it off. So, anyway, that's that's my thought is, the, you know, that's the loving thing and, you know, you know, I don't, I mean, I sleep good at night. I did my part. But well, I just l- the first that. part
0: of this said, can you talk about what love looks like in different situations? I mean, I think that we've hit on that, but I will say that it's it's worthwhile to go, you know, I might recommend um, C.S. Lewis's book, uh, The Four Loves. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in fact, just to kind of refresh my memory about maybe three weeks ago, knowing we were going into this section of Scripture, I went back and I read through it. It's not a very long book, and it's a good book, but I think it's worthwhile to go back and think about w- what are these different kinds of love in classical Greek literature. Uh, only a couple of them are found in the New Testament, of the Bible, but there are four basic kinds of love in classical Greek literature. And when you go back and look at them, it'll give you a really good picture of what love looks like in different situations. And then the second part of this question, is the best kind of love always sacrificial or can it be more loving in some situations that sound set boundaries? I don't think there's a split between the two. All the same. Yeah, I yeah, don't think there's a big yeah. dichotomy between being sacrificial and setting boundaries because sometimes the, the setting of boundaries is a sacrifice. This person's not going to like me if I do this. Right. That's it, a sacrifice.
1: How many people over the years have you run into that has a really bad habit, whether it be drug abuse, alcohol, all these other things, anger, whatever, and somebody else in their their life just supported the habit? Yes. Never set the boundaries. And it would have been harder to say, no, you're not doing that. We're not doing this anymore. But, you know, you study it's death by a thousand cuts, so to speak. uh, And um, they allow them. So I think boundaries can be very, very... Uh, helpful, but it can be very hard, biblical, right. And very hard. And,
0: uh, uh, yeah. Can you imagine a society with zero boundaries? Not good. Would not be good. There, there is no such thing as a society where there would be no boundaries. The society would fall apart. It would degenerate. I
1: tell you what, for one day, let's just change the traffic lights. If you don't believe in boundaries, (laughs) like, it's like when those the power goes mean, out, those mount lights the best, mean yeah. The best in the you world want. is when
0: the power goes out and the red light is flashing. Oh yeah, and people don't have a clue what to do. Yeah, ugh. you you
1: change just do you remember the, that big power outage we had about lights. I don't
0: know six years ago or so. And yeah, ugh. it took me like fifty minutes to get from one end of go to the other.
1: Ride my bike, bro. Man, okay, both, all right. Last question. I don't see pastors in the New Testament. Are modern churches and pastors biblical? I've had this question before.
0: I'm going to go to the passage of Scripture that I go to every time we do a ordination service, which is Peter's exhortation to elders in 1 Peter chapter 5. And he says, The elders who are among you I exhort, I who am a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed, shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers. That word shepherd there is the verb form of the noun that's found in Ephesians 4.11, where it says, and he gave some apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. So pastors is that Greek word poimen, and shepherd here is poimeneo, and it it means to pastor the flock to tend to the flock exactly what peter was told to do by jesus on the day that they had their little seaside breakfast having some fish in the morning Mm -hmm. in israel which we've had seaside fish yes we have saint
1: peter's fish company
0: i wasn't thinking about that one but anyways have the pizza yeah eat the pizza don't (laughs) eat the fish okay (laughs) but anyways uh you know in that conversation Peter or jesus says to peter do you love me he says yes i love you and he says feed my sheep tend my lambs feed my sheep so that is the work of a pastor and um, and what Peter reveals in 1 Peter 5, 1 through 4, which is, you know, a very good passage of scripture, is that elders or overseers, uh, the the Greek word is pres, um those individuals, they do the work of shepherding. They do the work of pastoring. So, uh, and then, you know, in Paul's letter to Timothy and Titus, he says, you know, here's the qualifications for elders. So right. we use those qualifications when we're thinking about pastors. Do they fit the qualifications of a biblical elder or pastor? And then the work is that they are to shepherd the flock of God, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, nor as being lords over those entrusted them, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you're going to receive a reward, a crown of glory that does not fade away. So uh, a number of passages of scripture that build the case for a pastor from the scriptures. The issue of a church, you know, Jesus is the one who brought up the whole topic of the church. He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it in Matthew chapter 16. And when the disciples, they they fulfilled the commission, Jesus said, go make disciples of all nations, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. That commission is to go and plant churches and to pastor those people. So so I do think that if you if you look at the breadth of information from the text of the New Testament, then churches and pastors are very clearly seen, especially in the book of Acts.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, Paul's letters, right, to churches. Know, yeah, they they were written to the Walmart. I mean, they you know they were to churches, and sometimes I've had this question posed to me before. Yeah, and you know, between be, behind every question is there's different attitudes and thoughts, and I've had it posed to me more than once. Um, I'm just going to say it like somebody's got an axe to grind. Because I think in their head they're like, "Why you got this great job?" and you know, your vocational ministry and all this stuff. There's a little bit of a axe grind behind it. I, I catch that in the tone, and um, I'm not going to lie, it's a great job. I love it.
0: I love serving people in this way. I man.
1: am so excited that I'm in vocational. Wouldn't ministry. imagine doing something. Yeah, different. I, and I and it's not better than volunteer ministry. It, right. It's Different. It's different. And I got drug into this. I did not spend my life praying that I could be a, a, a pastor. Um, I, you know, I got into this, I think I was 36. 1999 was when I was first ordained, but I did serve in ministry long before that. But, um, you know, I was a commercial fisherman. I was a carpenter. I was an arms dealer. Um, I... You know, I, it wasn't Used one of those... car salesmen. Don't forget that oh, one. Three months. Yeah, three for months, three months yeah. I did that. You learn, I learned a lot about people. I was a boat builder, things like that. All that being said, uh, it was clearly God had that call, and I was asked, I was called to come to ministry. They called me up and said, hey, you want to be in ministry? Full, full vocational ministry, we'll call it. Um, and it wasn't something that I was awake at night, so go, oh, gosh, I really want to be a pastor. Uh, but I was called into it, and I've done had great jobs in, in, in short career. Well, I mean, some of these things I did for 10 years The the arms business of being an entrepreneur, but I'll tell you, um, it's an incredible privilege and an incredible, um, very satisfying. Yes. And, um, but I'm humbled by it. Um, but I'll tell you this, it is not easy. There is a spiritual toll. Um, there are things that we will run into and our children will run into and our wives run into that most people will not encounter at the volume uh the depth and the breadth that others will not. And so, um, you know, it's funny. I mean, I'll get, I know you do this every week, but if I would have told my commercial fishing buddies, Oh man, yeah, I'm going to, you know, a pastor gets down from the pulpit after three services and he's exhausted. Uh, they would have laughed at me. Right. You know, and I would have laughed at me yes, because it's like, it's nothing like, you know, try moving a ton of fish down a chute or something like that. And are pulling nets or, or or lines and stuff like that, but I have to say it's it can be very tiring and taxing, uh, in a different kind of way spiritually, spiritually, spiritually. emotionally. Yeah, and so they um,
0: in my experience, and, and it's can, it's a blessing, man. You, you can it's awesome. back this up better than I can, but in my limited experience, um, I I found that the the hard physical you know get up there and work with your hands job, there is a, a great blessing in that in the sense that when you're done, you're done. Right. The day is over, you're done. Right. And, uh, you know, and I'm not saying, I'm not complaining in any way, but there is a reality that in some of this work, like it, it, just goes home with you. The counseling appointments that you dealt with, or the person that you're praying with in the hospital, or, you know, thinking about what you're, you know, trying to, what the Lord wants to speak to the church this, this coming week from the text, you know, those kind of things, you know, it's like, I'm thinking about that sort of stuff at 1130, 12 o'clock at night, right. you know, trying right. to puzzle through. Yeah. And that's not to say, I mean, we've got some great friends who are part of the body here who own and operate businesses and they're thinking about the same things. You know, how do I take care of the people that right. work for me? And how do I make sure that we got contracts coming up and pipeline stuff going on? And so, you know, I'm not, every job has its, its ups and its downs, its pros and its cons. And uh, yeah, but I, I'm grateful for what God has given me the privilege to do. That's for sure.
1: Yeah, and I think having a heart for people. That's why we part of this is God's given us a heart for people and and that this happens in different ways. I mean obviously and, and you know, part of the reasons you're studying hard during the week and really finding out what this stuff really means um is you owe it to your people. Hopefully, hopefully what it really means. Well, I mean I, I think <laughs> yeah, I know yeah. I think you do a great job with that. Um but uh I don't want to portray this as, you know being, you know, exhausted in or anything like that is incredibly satisfying and it's incredibly, it's great to watch God work in people's lives. Um, Pastor Spurgeon, Charles Spurgeon said Chuck, the Prince of preachers
0: that the minister will grow weary in the work, but he should never grow weary of the work. Right. I think that's true. A
1: lot of truth. Yeah. So, and I think it, you know, also really helps to have people around you Mm. um, that, uh, you know, if you're working at Qualcomm, and you get a call at two o'clock in the morning because something is blowing up. Server's going down. Your wife is going to get really tired of that. Yes. Constantly. Um, and not that we get a call every night. But, um, you know, my wife and my kids, we were it was really a blessing. As they were growing up and, and in our relationship, um, the kids would look at me and go, where are you going? And I'm like, I would explain to them, hey, there's somebody in the hospital they need me to be there. And I would explain to them. I would take the time so the church wasn't taking dad away. And they're like, "Oh yeah, we're all in. You need to go do that because yeah. we would want somebody to do there that Because there have for been us. times,
0: you know, I think of one very specific time. I think it was Christmas Eve day that you and I got a call, and we end up That's in right. the hospital praying for a family. And, yeah, you know.
1: And I'm stoked to be there. Right. Absolutely. Totally excited, but it's it's great. And, my and here's life, the deal. Yeah.
0: We have worked every Easter, ever, and every Sunday. Awesome. And a lot of Christmases. It's all one or good. two, no, right? No yeah,
1: no, we're I'm digging That's
0: it. one of our favorite things to do.
1: Yeah, it's cool. Watching yeah. somebody give their life to Christ. Nothing better. Watching Christ restore somebody's life through, you know, counsel and um, discipleship is super rewarding. And um, so, yeah, it's awesome. But you know what? I had that going on before I was in vocational ministry too. But right. this is, I get to do it all the time. So yep, I'm, uh, as I said, uh, you know, what was it uh, Lou Gehrig said? I'm the luckiest man in the world. So, Paul I'm talked about those blessed. who addicted
0: themselves to the ministry. I think that might be us.
1: I think Larry, our friend Larry said well, something Paul about that. Well, Paul said it that. first. Yeah, Paul, so Larry copied it. Larry Osborne. Yeah, Larry Osborne. But well, he's, he's pretty Ministry's like crack. Once you start, you can't stop. There you go. Yeah. So, so I mean, if
0: you're <laughs> not serving in a ministry, plug in. You'll find that it is greatly gratifying and joy-filling. Yeah. Yes. Man. Lots
1: of opportunities. Plug in. That well, was a sketchy podcast. We're going kind of long here. Yeah. So I think the code word for the week is, that was sketchy. Or wrap it up. Wrap it up? wrap, we'll wrap it, up. it up? We'll do wrap it up. Wrap it yeah. up is the code word. Yo, yo, yo. Wrap it up.
0: Wrap it up. So we'll see you on this weekend. Any final words, Pastor Mark? I hope to see... Worship night tomorrow night. Worship night. For worship. Really, listeners?
1: Don't be lame. Come be worship lame. Jesus. And it's the share, best thing you'll ever share do. Share the
0: podcast on social media if you got it and wrap it up. All right. We'll see you on wrap Sunday. Wrap it
1: up. I'll take it. <laughs>